James Baldwin was born in 1924 in Harlem. He never knew his biological father. When he was very young, his mother married a Baptist minister who Mr. Baldwin always referred to as his father. He was the oldest of nine children. As a child in school, he did very well. His teachers recognized how hungry he was to learn and how gifted he was. One of his teachers actually introduced him to theater. As recounted in Notes of a Native Son, when he was 10 and a half years old, Baldwin wrote a play that was directed by a teacher at his school. Seeing his talent and potential, she offered to take him to real plays. She was a white teacher. This caused some backlash from Baldwin's stepfather because the teacher was white. His uncertainty was ultimately overruled by Baldwin's mother, who said that it would not be very nice to let such a kind woman make the trip for nothing. When his teacher came to pick him up, Baldwin noticed that his stepfather was filled with disgust. Baldwin later realized that this encounter was an unprecedented and frightening situation for his parents. It was clear during the brief interview in our living room, writes Baldwin, that my father was agreeing very much against his will and that he would have refused permission if he dared. The fact that he did not dare caused me to despise him. I had no way of knowing that he was, what he was facing in that living room was a wholly unprecedented and frightening situation. He later talked in his life about how he really didn't hate white people, in part because of that teacher who took an interest in him and saw him for who he was and introduced him to theater. He also went to the same high school in Brooklyn as Richard Avedon, who became the famed photographer, and they were lifelong friends. When he graduated from high school, he could not go on to college because he had to work to earn money to help support his family. He never actually graduated from college at all. While in high school, he was also a preacher, as his stepfather was. But in later life, he became quite disillusioned with the church. As a young adult, he worked odd jobs and he wrote. He worked odd jobs to earn money and he wrote to live. He always knew he wanted to be a writer. He was influenced by black artists who had been part of the Harlem Renaissance. He lived in Greenwich Village, and he was actually roommates with Marlon Brando for a while, and they too were lifelong friends. There is something about the stories of his young adulthood that to me seemed to be amazing and romantic, and I can only imagine the sort of um, vibrant artistic life that was going on in the Greenwich Village at that time. However, when he was 24, he emigrated to Paris with $40 in his pocket, a one-way ticket. He was not so much seeking Paris, he said, as he was leaving New York City and the racism of America. And he was able to grow as an artist in France, far away from the soul-sucking racism of America. And during the civil rights era, he returned to America 
feeling that it was his responsibility to come back and join his brothers and sisters in the work. He did not refer to himself as an expatriate, but rather as a commuter, because eventually he maintained his place in France and in an apartment in New York City. He was openly gay at a time when people were not. Baldwin's first novel was Go Tell It on the Mountain. His second novel was Giovanni's Room. As a novelist, he brought to light the challenges, social aspects, and complexities blacks, gays, and bisexual men had to face at the time, as well as the internal struggles that these groups faced for acceptance. These are kind of some of the facts of James Baldwin's life. Last Sunday, I said that part of being a person of integrity was knowing yourself and being able to be honest to yourself. I read an excerpt from the talk he gave in New York City's community church in 1962, which was titled The Artist's Struggle for Integrity. In that speech, he also said, I am not interested really in talking to you as an artist. It seems to me that the artist's struggle for his integrity must be considered as a kind of metaphor for the struggle which is universal and daily for all human beings on the face of this globe to get to become human beings. It is not your fault. It is not my fault that I write. And I would never come before you in the position of a complainant for doing something that I must do. The poets, by which I mean all artists, are finally the only people who know the truth about us. Soldiers don't, statesmen don't, priests don't, union leaders don't, only poets. When I read that, I thought, well, if only artists know the truth about us, or only poets know the truth about us, then if you are a person who knows the truth about us, no matter what your creative abilities are, you are then an artist or a poet. Not being able to draw or sketch, I happen to like that thought. <laughs> According to Baldwin, an artist's or poet's job is to bear witness to that truth and in order to do that, you need to know yourself, and you need to know your history. He stepped away from a racist system when he moved to France because that system would not allow him to know himself and allow him a voice to bear witness to the truth about himself and about us. American publishers would not actually publish Giovanni's Room because of its homosexual content. Baldwin got it published, uh, at least the first edition, in England. And in a 1987 interview, he was asked about that book and about it being about homosexuality. And his response was something like, it is not about homosexuality. It is about what happens to a person when they are not allowed to love who they love. Homosexuality is not the problem. The law is the problem. He goes on to say, love is where you find it. No one has a right to try to tell another human being whom he or she can or should love. 
The problem is in the law. It has nothing to do with the church. And if you lie about that, you lie about everything. Now, what I like about that little snippet of an interaction is that Baldwin is able to nimbly control how the question is framed. Yes, the book has gay content, but it's not being about, it is not about being gay. It is about not being free. And don't all people, no matter what their orientation, want freedom? Aren't we all deserving of that? Now, in preparation for this sermon, I actually spent more time listening to interviews of, with Baldwin and listening to speeches of his rather than reading his works. I wanted to get a sense of him as a person and not just his writing, I guess. And there is something very powerful about his personal presence on those videos. Over and over, I saw or heard him do this. Take control of how the question is framed. And time and time again, I heard him say something that still holds true for today. It is interesting that at that time when he was involved in the civil rights movement, he was often maligned by other black leaders, in part because he was gay, and in part because he often pointed to a shared humanity between blacks and whites. In a 1986 press club speech, he said, if you can't deal with my father, how are you going to deal with the people up in the streets of Tehran? Meaning, if America has not figured out how to deal decently with people, in col people of color in our own land, how is America going to deal with Iran or Iraq or any other country that is not European? In that press club speech, he also says something that I think is so deeply profound about why white people in America need to be doing the work to dismantle racism. He said, and this is not an exact quote because I had to keep playing the YouTube video back and forth trying to transcribe this. The white man debased the black man when he made him a slave, but he also debased himself. When the black man was put in chains, he was debased, as was his women and children, but he was not the only one debased at that moment. The people who put him in chains had also become less than human and debased themselves with a further disadvantage because the slave must know the master because the slave's life is in the master's hand. The master does not need to know the slave and the master cannot fool the slave. But the slave can fool the master because the master wants to be fooled. When I was a philosophy major, that was called the master-slave dialectic by Hegel. Baldwin said it better. Baldwin said it better because Baldwin lived it. This is where integrity and the artist come in. In order for white people to dismantle racism, we need to know the truth. We need to listen to the artists and poets who are telling us truth, no matter how hard that is. Once we know ourselves, once we really know our history, we can start that work. 
In that same lecture, in the question and answer time, he was asked a question which I don't really remember, but it was something along the lines of, how do we resolve racism? His answer in part was that he would like to put forward a modest proposal. And he said something like, why don't we just have a white history week? <laughs> the answer to the difficulty of resolving race relations is not in knowing black history, but rather in knowing white history, the real white history. Because the black person is not the problem. White history is the problem. And until the white person knows who they are and where they came from and what their people did and are still doing, the racism of this country cannot be solved. I think it's obvious that Baldwin meant white history in that white history that is not normally taught in schools. This is the integrity that James Baldwin, both in himself and in his art, calls us to. James Baldwin, James Baldwin was rightfully an angry black man in a world that makes it dangerous to be an angry black man. He was an angry gay man in a world that wants to wipe out the angry gay man. And he was not simply angry. He did not let his anger define him so much as have it move him to try to make a better world, his world, our world better. His words are still fitting for today, a testament to his forward thinking, and also maybe we have not changed all that much. In the midst of all this, he held on to his humanity and his hope. And so I will end with these words of James Baldwin. One must say yes to life and embrace it wherever it is found, and it is found in terrible places. Nevertheless, there it is. And if the father can say, yes, Lord, the child can learn the most difficult of words, amen. For nothing is fixed forever and forever and forever. It is not fixed. The earth is always shifting, the light is always changing. The sea does not cease to grind down rock. Generations do not, seek to, do not cease to be born, and we are responsible to them because we are the only witnesses they have. The sea rises. The light fails. Lovers cling to each other, and the children cling to us. The moment we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with one another, the sea engulfs us and the life and the light goes out in a world without end. May this be true.